At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is VEASAN's College Basketball Betting Podcast. Here's your host, Tim Murray. Welcome in, everyone. I would normally say another edition, but this is the first edition of our college basketball betting podcast, the Super Bowl in the rear view. So that's time for college basketball to be on the forefront. Not that we haven't been talking about it or betting it all throughout VSIN and on VSIN.com as I welcome in Adam Burke, who will be joining me throughout the remainder of the college basketball season. Adam has write ups uh, on a pretty regular basis on VSIN.com and, and then myself on VSIN Primetime. Always check out our picks page as well, VSIN.com slash picks for, uh, for a couple plays from me and uh, about 700 from Wes Reynolds on a nightly basis regarding college basketball but here we are and we were texting back and forth Adam hard to believe but we are what just a couple weeks away from some of the low to mid majors actually getting going in their conference tournaments remember those sometimes stretch out over a long period of time they're on some home courts Uh, so before we know it March will be here and uh, we're gonna be ingrained in college hoops so uh you know, buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, good to be with you here, Matt. I know we did, <clears throat> excuse me, a really good job with the college football podcast throughout the course of the season. So glad to run it back here with college basketball. Um, first things first, I do a daily article Monday through Saturday over at vcin.com looking at the card, giving out my best bets for the day, kind of going through and breaking those games down so you can check that out. But yeah, two weeks from today as we're recording here on Monday the 13th, the Atlantic Sun Conference Tournament starts. That'll be the first one. So two weeks from that one and then two weeks and a day away from the Horizon, Patriot, and the Sun Belt. So they're definitely coming fast and furious here. Yeah, and it's uh, 
We'll we'll certainly get into the nitty gritty and in the weeds on some of those futures uh, when they start to arrive. Uh, last year, uh, probably the best stretch I had was playing some of those low to mid major conferences, and sometimes you can you know parlay some of these bigger favorites because of the home court advantage and all of that. So certainly we will keep our eyes on that. Um, you know, for people who haven't been uh, betting college basketball a ton so far this year, Adam. Uh, what would be a, a couple of your overall takeaways uh, on this season? I, I've got a couple thoughts uh, as well of of how it's worked out, and you know some, some stretches that we've had. But overall, uh, how how would you define what we've seen so far in college basketball? Yeah, I mean, I think later on in the show we can kind of get into more of our game by game handicapping strategies. But just as sort of a broad overview here, uh, I who's really good. You know, I mean, it seems like the NCAA tournament's going to be really, really wide open this year. I know a lot of people love Alabama, understandably so, but that's a team that's really relying on the three. So I don't know how much I love them in a tournament one and done type of setting. Houston's a team that, you know, obviously is very, very highly rated out there. Number one by Bart Torvik, been a top team by Ken Palm, but I have some concerns about the Cougars as well, even though they have a really, really good record. So I think the biggest thing right now is that you know, things are really wide open. And the second biggest thing would be if you are somebody just now getting into college basketball for this season, the teams that you know, the teams that you're familiar with hearing, some of them aren't nearly as good this season as they have been in the past. Duke is not a particularly good team. You know, Oregon is a team that's really struggling. Michigan, struggling. I mean, the Big Ten as a whole is really struggling. Kentucky, not very good. Florida, growing pains in the first year with Todd Golden. So a lot of these teams that are kind of the bigger names that people think about, you can't just blindly go betting them. You can't just blindly go thinking that they're good teams again because some of these teams just aren't that have those big blue blood, high profile types of names. Yeah, uh, not a blue blood, uh, but uh, Ohio State stinks um, and the market likes them and they stink. Uh, they are what two and I think two and twelve against the spread in the Big Big Ten this year. It is uh, it has not been great uh, up there in uh, in your old neck of the woods. You know it's 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 interesting because there's so many good resources, and I, I could argue, you know, when you talk about the Bart Torviks and the Ken Palms, and you know there there's almost more resources in my opinion for college basketball than than anyone out there. There. There is no, you know, and I pay the, I don't know what it is, 50 bucks a year for Ken Palm. I mean, it's it's such a tremendous resource. I think Torvik's free. I don't know if he has some pay aspects to it. Um, but, and, and Torvik, you can, you know, see who's playing well uh, over a stretch. It's it's really a, a fascinating uh, piece to have and, and, you know, tool to have. But I, I want to bring up two teams real quickly in St. Mary's and Tennessee. Both of these teams are thought of very, very highly in the eyes of the computers. And Tennessee, who's coming off, you know, back-to-back buzzer-beater losses to Vanderbilt and Missouri, they're still fourth in Ken Palm. And, you know, when I look at Tennessee and when I look at St. Mary's, both teams who defend very, very well, but I get nervous backing those types of teams if you're looking in the futures market let's say with for tennessee or saint mary's i i get nervous and hesitant 
knowing that they could have stretches like we saw St. Mary's have in the first half against Gonzaga uh, last Saturday night where they, they couldn't you know, hit water if they fell out of a boat. Now, they ultimately came back and won that game in overtime and got the cover, much to the chagrin of many who took Gonzaga plus the points. But, you know, those are two particular teams that make me very, very nervous come March and needing to win six consecutive games to uh, to cut down the nets. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for Tennessee, first and foremost for me, Rick Barnes is not a very good coach. He's not been a good coach in the NCAA tournament. He's basically got a 500 record in the NCAA tournament with some really, really good teams at Texas, some good teams here at Tennessee as well. And I understand, you know, they play in the SEC, which is a really, really good conference, but this is a bad offensive team. You know, their adjusted metrics look good because of their strength of schedule and and all of that. But I mean, this is a team, effective field goal percentage is below 50%. They're outside, as we record this on Monday, they're outside the top 230 in three-point percentage against Division I opponents. They're 178th in two-point percentage. This is just not a good offensive team. And they're living on defense and you know defense travels and whatever people say about that. But I think Tennessee is so flawed offensively. And then you factor in Rick Barnes. There's really nothing I could look to do with them from a future standpoint and may even look to fade them depending on the draw once we get to the NCAA tournament. And for St. Mary's, again, great defensive team. Randy Bennett's an excellent head coach. They share the basketball pretty well usually on the offensive side of things. But again, a team that they're not particularly good inside the arc. They're pretty average, but they're 40th in three-point percentage at 37%. And that's the thing, again, about that one-and-done format. If your offensive strategy is such that you have to make threes, I want no part of you when you have to win six straight games. So that's something I think is a really big concern for St. Mary's and probably for Tennessee as well. Yeah, and St. Mary's, you know, a lot still to transpire. They've got four games left in the regular season, including a, a showdown on the road at the Kennel against Gonzaga to wrap up the regular season and the WCC tournament here in Las Vegas. And I don't want to spend too much time going in the weeds on St. Mary's, but I think it is important to point out if you haven't been paying that close to college basketball so far, or you're just, you know, just jumping in and you look at Bart Torvik or Ken Palm or whatever, or you just look at the market. St. Mary's could be a favorite in a lot of games. And they're, they're a team that, you know, they kind of remind me a little bit of of Virginia when they had their struggles, when they would you know, win the ACC, they'd be a high seed, and then they'd get bounced early, obviously most famously against UMBC. But, you know, adjusted tempo for St. Mary's, 360. So there's going to be limited possessions, right, in these games. And it's early on in the year, but look at some of their losses. They're bad, man. You, you lost to Washington. You lost to Colorado State, who stinks. I mean, there's some bad losses. And then Thursday night, look, I had Loyola Marymount on Thursday night in the situational spot. Uh, they were catching, I think, eight, eight and a half at home. And at, ultimately what happened in that game was that Loyola Marymount has got a dude named Cam Shelton who's an absolute baller, and he took the game over. And that's what would worry me for a St. Mary's if you think they can make a long run, make it to the Final Four. And I agree. I think Randy Bennett's a phenomenal coach. And they got some dudes, man. Aiden Mahaney's going to be a stud you know, throughout his career. Highly touted freshman. Uh, Logan Johnson is is pretty darn good. They got some good size, you know, quality bigs. But, 
you know, I, I know a lot of people are going to be looking around. Hey, can I find, you know, a team that I can hitch my wagon to that'll make a run, you know, to the final four. Look, a, a lot of teams can make it this year as you kind of started the podcast with, but you know, St. Mary's scares the crap out of me just because they play slow games. And if they play a first half, like they did against Gonzaga and someone is red hot from three, they could be in a world of pain coming in the second half of a game, you know, like you said, in a one and done situation. Well, and I think this is kind of a logical transition into looking at game by game handicapping, because yeah. to your point with St. Mary's, I mean, they play at a very slow pace, right? But they're going to be, you know, they play San Diego on Thursday. They'll be about a two touchdown favorite probably in that game. They play BYU at home on Saturday. Big game for them. They'll probably be a double digit favorite or close to that. And when you're playing games that are 62, 63 possessions, you have to be extremely efficient on both ends of the floor to cover some of these big numbers by margin. And when you look at the games that they've lost, as you mentioned, you know they had that loss to Washington. Washington plays a matchup zone defense. You know Mike Hopkins came over from Syracuse. If you don't shoot well against a zone and you're playing a game that generally has a lower number of possessions, it's going to be hard to, to win games like that. They lost to Houston. That game was played to 56 possessions. They lost to Colorado State. That game was played to 57 possessions. So you just have to have this higher degree of efficiency. So when I'm looking at a game-by-game -game basis, I'm looking at shot selection. I'm looking at do teams get to the rim or do they settle for a bunch of jump shots? If they settle for a lot of jump shots and it's a low-possession game, how efficient are they going to be on offense? So a team like St. Mary's, for example, I would have a hard time backing in these big favorite roles as good as they are. You're just asking for them to be largely flawless because there are so few possessions in that game. On the flip side, if you're a team that's playing a lot of possessions and you have advantages you know, offensively and defensively in that game, I'm more likely to take a bigger spread and go ahead and lay it with that team because there are so many more possessions in the game, so many more chances for them to be the better team. So even if you're not betting totals, it's really important to take tempo and pace into your handicap for sides. Yeah, and you look at this past weekend, by the way, uh, did not have us on our first podcast going in-depth on St. Mary's, but you know they are a team that I think a lot of people will be would be surprised to see as highly ranked they are uh, in those advanced numbers, but Look, they shot you know fifteen to thirty two from three uh, against Portland over the weekend. Did St. Mary's? They're a good three point shooting team, but at times they can hit a rut, um, like they did you know at home against Gonzaga last Saturday night. So you know that's just something to keep an eye on uh, when you're looking at because I know a lot of people haven't dabbled in the futures market yet. So this is you know that's certainly something to uh, to keep an eye on you know, moving forward, who are some teams right now that you think could be, you know, on the rise here um, moving forward, some teams maybe to back, you know, uh, you know, Marquette is a team that I've backed a bunch this year. Um, you know, they've, they've been covering at a really high rate, got blown out last week. I thought the line was kind of telling you that that was, uh, that was potentially going to happen against UConn and they did, but that's, a, that's kind of the opposite, right? If you look at Marquette and Baylor, those are the opposite of St. Mary's and Tennessee. Tremendous offenses, but aren't really good defensively. So that could be another situation where you run into trouble in March where you can't get stops and 
you, you're just trying to outscore teams, and and sometimes that just is a, another kind of method for uh, an early exit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, that one-and-done format just leaves you so little margin for error. You know, you think about some teams that, like I said, I mean, a team like Alabama, for example, they just shoot so many threes. I mean, their offensive rebounding kind of saves them a little bit because they do get some close looks at the rim. But, I mean, over 47% of their shots are threes. And if if you go, you know, a six of 30 or something like that in the NCAA tournament, you're probably out. So that's a really big concern, I think, with a team like Alabama. A team I think is kind of on the rise a little bit, staying in the SEC. I like Texas A&M quite a bit. I think Mm -hmm. Texas A&M is a really, really solid team. Buzz Williams is a good head coach. They don't shoot threes well, but they don't take a lot of them. And they tend to get close to the rim. They're very, very good on the offensive glass. They go to the free throw line a lot, and they're almost a 75% free throw shooting team. And they're a team that really keeps teams away from the basket. And that's something I look at a lot on defense. As I mentioned earlier, shot selection is a big part of the handicap for me. And for Texas A&M, I mean, they're just not letting teams get that close to the basket. And they got a really interesting game coming up here against Arkansas. But Texas A&M shot share against on defense, 29.5% on close twos. That's one of the top 10 marks in the country. It's easier to play defense when you're forcing teams to shoot from further away. So I think for Texas A&M, a team that I think can improve offensively and is still pretty good defensively, that's a team that's kind of on my radar here. And those are the things I look for. I look for teams that get to the rim. I look for teams that prevent the opposition from getting to the rim and teams that don't settle for a lot of these mid-range jump shots. I kind of adopt a lot of NBA philosophies, I guess I'll say with my college basketball handicapping. I want the rim in three rates. I want teams that you know understand the value of getting close to the basket and then just stepping back a few feet and shooting a three instead of taking a 17-footer as a two, something like that. So Texas A&M is a team that kind of stands out to me in that regard. Well, and doing your homework and how teams are playing is so important. And I'm sure plenty of people will bring up the fact that UNC at this time last year was, was not a great basketball team. And ultimately, you know, they made a run to the championship and, and were right there to, to potentially beat Kansas. And I mentioned this as just another resource, right? Barttorvik.com, go there. You can filter dates. So if you look at the full body of work for Texas A&M, I think they're 30, they're 33rd in Ken Palm right now. Well, that also includes really bad losses in the non-conference. They lost to Murray State. They lost to Colorado. They lost to Wofford at home, which is just unexplainable and, and, and really inexcusable. They had five losses at Christmas. They were six and five. Since then, they are, if you if you filter it out from New Year's Day to now, Adam, to your point about a team kind of being on the rise, according to Bart Torvik, they're the fifth best team in the country since January 1st. So it kind of puts it into perspective. Now, Tennessee's also number four. So, <laughs> you know, and not everything is gospel because I don't necessarily believe that Tennessee is the fourth best team in the country since New Year's Day. But, you know, it just kind of puts it into perspective. Another team that, you know, it's funny how I felt like preseason, Adam, Creighton was getting way too much love. You know, a team that I think got bounced, what, in the second round last year. They get Baylor Shireman to uh, to transfer in from uh, South Dakota State. 
uh, everybody comes back and everybody's just fawning over uh, Creighton and their odds just sunk like a rock, uh, you know, in the futures market. And then they have this stretch where Ryan Kalkbrenner gets mono and they're, you know, a little bit banged up. They lose six consecutive games. Um, not any terrible losses. Lost to Nebraska. That's pretty bad. Lost to BYU on a neutral. Um, they lose six straight games. So at Christmas, they're seven and six, just like Texas A&M. And they've completely turned it around. They've won now eight in a row. Uh, an impressive win over the weekend. Not the prettiest, but beat UConn. Didn't cover, but beat UConn. Another big test on Tuesday night at Providence. So we'll see if that's a spot maybe to uh, to go against Creighton. But since New Year's Day, Creighton, the third best team in the country, according to Bart Torvik. So that's a team that, you know, I, I did a thing on Prime Primetime just a couple weeks ago saying when they were 12-1 to 1 to make the Final Four at DraftKings, I actually thought that was a good bet because this is a team that defends well but also shoots the ball pretty well. I would like to see their three-point percentage go up, Adam, but this is a team that is top 30 in both offensive and defensive efficiency, and I think most people would think, okay, you know, uh, Creighton is is this offensive juggernaut. No, they're actually better defensively, believe it or not, you know, according to these metrics. So, you know, this is a team that uh, had probably too much hype preseason, and I think a couple weeks ago was a, was a good time to potentially buy the Blue Jays because it feels like they're hitting their stride right now. Yeah, and that's what you want to do in terms of the NCAA tournament futures market. You want to look for buy points, sell points. You want to treat these teams like stocks, basically. And for Creighton, when they have a big injury, when they lose those six straight games, as you mentioned, they were never in danger of missing the NCAA tournament, but six straight losses are going to drop you down in terms of your ranking for selection Sunday. So it's going to put you on a seed line that maybe you don't want to be on. That's maybe the time that you want to look to buy a team like that because you know that they're going to be really good and their futures price is going to start to go down some. Creighton, one of those teams for me. Again, almost 80% of their shots are either close twos as defined by Torvik, which are dunks, layups, and tip-ins, or three-pointers. So 80% of the shots they take pretty much, 79.2%, are at the rim or from three. That's how you become a really efficient offense. And here in this game against Providence coming up on Tuesday, just to sort of give you an idea of how I handicap, Providence's shot share against on close twos, 43.4%. That is very, very high in terms of the national average. So Creighton should get inside in this game. So that's kind of the starting point for my handicap is, will they get a lot of close shots here? Providence is 349th in the country in terms of shot share against on close twos. So Creighton will get to the rim in this game. So then I have to think about it and say, okay, well, will Providence get to the rim? Will they have the same offensive success? Providence gets to the rim a lot, but Creighton protects the rim really well. So you kind of have strength on strength there. So that's the way that I sort of go through and handicap these games individually, but also how I'll start putting together profiles of teams once Selection Sunday comes, because at this point, I think it's very hard to invest in the futures market. You're probably going to get better prices on most of these teams, either doing a rolling parlay or just waiting until we see the draw at this point in time. But that's what I'll do. I'll look at strengths versus strengths, strengths versus weaknesses and all of that once the draw comes out. And then see if there's something I want to invest in for a Sweet 16 market, Final Four market, something like that. But 
as you mentioned, the resources that are out there for college basketball, not only Ken Palm and Bart Torvik, Haslam Metrics, Eric Haslam does really good work. He's been a guest on, on our Visa and Airways a few times. Um, you know, shot quality is somebody that kind of yep. sets the market to a degree now as well. So there's so much out there for college basketball. I I know you'll agree with me when I say this. I wish there was a Ken Palm for college football. I do I too. Really, truly do. It's funny, you know, it, it, it does feel I don't want to say easier because nothing's easy when it comes to handicapping and and you know, we can all go on stretches. I I had a fortunate stretch the past two weeks on you know, Visa and primetime with, with college basketball. And then, you know, Saturday rolls around and I give, uh, you know, my picks to humans for the college basketball contest. And I got my clock cleaned. I mean, it just, it happens. I mean, it's college basketball. The variants are, you know, things, things just kind of, uh, all fall apart and, and, you know, guys have bad shooting nights. So, you know, stuff happens, but I agree. I mean, Ken Palm and, you know, shot quality, you know, props to those guys because they were kind of up and coming last year. And I remember when we did our write-ups for, um, you know, March Madness, I utilized them quite a bit as kind of a, hey, what did, how did that game play out? Those advanced box scores, how did it play out? And, you know, will there be regression or back to the norm? And I, and that's the way I am, right, as a handicapper. And it's when it comes to college football, when it comes to college basketball, it's don't get too high, don't get too low. And what have you, you know, it, it's just that kind of, you know, things will regress. I, I do like my letdown spots and all that. But, you know, when when the market starts, when people get start to get a little bit out of control on, on a particular team, then you try to find the spots to come in on the other side. And, you know, I've been I've been doing that and it's been successful this year. But that's certainly the way that I like to look a, a decent amount is kind of just find that right situational spot. And and I'll say this, Adam, you know, certainly as we get here into mid-February and these regular season games become of the utmost importance, you know, recognize the situations, you know, is a team riding a three game losing streak? Do they have, you know, did they get a, a quirk in the schedule where they've got five days off and their opponent has two days off? Or, you know, is their opponent coming off a, a big win like St. Mary's over Gonzaga? And then you're at home catching eight uh, like Loyola Marymount was. Th those are the types of things personally I like to look at uh, as I handicap college basketball because, you know, and I do it a ton in college football. We do the letdown spots on this podcast, the look ahead spots. These are, as as we all know, these are young men, right? It, this isn't professional basketball. They're they're gonna peek an eye past some people. And look, nothing in nothing in handicapping is ever a hundred percent because if it were, then we'd all be rich and Vegas would be shut down. But I just do think situationally, uh, you can really find some good spots uh situational handicapping did not work for me this weekend but more often than not i've i've found a lot of success and that's how i personally do it everyone's different i think you're a little bit different too but that's how i like to personally you know go about handicapping college basketball yeah i mean i certainly consider spots more in college basketball than i would in say college football or something like that i mean think about it you have 363 division one teams right you're playing at least two, sometimes three games a week. And a lot of these athletic departments have very small budgets. It's not like these guys are, you know, traveling on planes to all their games and all that. A lot of these teams are busing. A lot of these teams have to get to 
some locales that are not easy to get to. You know, it's not like you could fly into a major airport anyway because you just have a three or four hour bus ride from the airport to the place you're actually playing the game. So the travel is substantially different in college basketball than it is for the NBA, for college football, for any of the other major betting markets that are out there. So that is something I, I do factor into the equation, certainly, is, you know, do you have a spot? Did you just play a double overtime game? We saw this on, I think it was Monday night, with a couple of teams in the big sky that had played overtime games on Saturday, uh, last Monday this being. They played Northern double overtime Colorado. games. Yeah, that was one. Um, was that they Weaver got State? they got absolute. Was it Northern Cal? I'm trying to remember because there were a bunch of people who were on Northern Colorado, and one I, of them won and one of them lost. I remember Northern that. Colorado absolutely obliterated whoever they played, and that was yeah, it was Weber State. Uh, yeah. It was it was like the eighty eight forty four. It was the eighth straight or it was the fourth straight road game. They had just played double overtime. They're going to altitude, and you know personally, I don't really bet or look at the big sky all that much but people i trust you know and and respect had mentioned this as a particular spot i think some folks here at vsin put it in on the on the pick site as well and i i went and took a look i'm like wow that is a phenomenal uh situational spot and it it paid dividends in northern colorado you know absolutely destroyed them so uh, yeah sometimes those situational spots can work uh, absolutely to your advantage well, and then there was another one, Idaho State and Northern Arizona that night, where Northern Arizona led almost the entire game and then just completely fell apart at the end, and Idaho State won, overcoming a really tough situational spot. But you, know, you will run into those, and especially in the big sky. I actually love handicapping the big sky, to be honest with you. They're, the teams are dramatically different. You have teams that play with pace. You have teams that chuck from three all the time. You have teams that are really slow. You've got elevation games. You've got tough back-to-backs. I actually really like handicapping the big sky. But the other thing I wanted to mention, you know, kind of looking at things from a spot standpoint, is most of the conference games now are going to be rematches. So you're going to hear people talking about, you know, home revenge, road revenge, all these different types of things. I like to go in and look at the box score from the first game and find out why it played out the way that, that it did. If there was a team that had 32 attempts at the rim and the other team had 12, I don't care what the result was in the first game in terms of revenge. One team got to the rim a lot more than the other. So that's something that I like to look at a lot in these revenge games is you know, obviously you want to check for injuries and make sure that everybody played. But you know, it was going in and being like, okay, what could change in the rematch? What could go differently? Was one team like two of 19 from three? Well, that probably won't happen again. So maybe I'll kind of look towards that team. But we got a lot of rematches now, and obviously we'll get, you know, we'll be able to poke holes in, in the logic of you can't beat it. It's hard to beat a team three times in the same season when we get to conference tournaments. But you get a lot of rematches now. So you have a data point from this season that you can refer to in your handicapping process. And that is the nice thing about a site like Torvik, for example. You know, the, the box score has a little bit more to it in terms of, where the shots came from in terms of, you know, kind of looking at guys that maybe had outlier performances from a turnover standpoint, stuff like that. Just like you said, so many resources that are out there that if you put in the time, I think you can have success with college basketball, but it is a big time commitment because there are days where you have 80, 100, 120 games, and it just takes time to sort through the cart. Yeah, Saturdays are are very uh, intimidating trying to narrow – 
uh, narrow that down. I do want to pass across, and it's it's been fruitful for me, and uh, a lot of people are picking up on it now. So that's when I it's uh, I joked uh, the other night when uh, I think it was it was Marquette, and I've uh, since the day Shaka Smart got hired at Marquette, I said, look, anytime I I can get them as a dog, especially at home, I'm going to roll with with Shaka Smart just because that's the way his teams play. And, and historically he's been tremendous as a dog. And then they were playing UConn. It was five, five and a half. I want to say UConn was the favorite and the public was lining up to play Marquette. And I'm like, yeah, be careful. You know, sometimes, sometimes our trends get a little too cute, right? It's uh, I think I used the example when politicians started to dab, I think we knew the dab was probably uh, going to be uh, going to be extinct sooner rather than later. But uh the unranked team against the ranked situation has been wildly successful this year. We'll see if it continues. We have a situation on Monday, North Carolina against Miami. Uh, but over the weekend on Saturday, uh, Illinois unranked uh, covered. Illinois beat Rutgers in that spot. Tricky situational spot at that felt for Rutgers. Uh, Michigan unranked did not take care of business against Indiana as a favorite. And then, uh, for some reason, a team that I can't stop betting, Texas Tech, uh, they were a favorite uh, in their spot on Saturday against uh, Kansas State, and they took care of business and won that game. So unranked teams at home that are a favorite over a ranked team, Adam, are now 26-12 and 12 against the spread. And I think it's not a blind situation where you automatically play a unranked team in those spots, but I do think it is a reminder that AP poll voters don't set the market, you know, odds makers set the market, you know, these advanced sites that we've talked about, they kind of point out, you know, Hey, this team might not be as good as you think they are despite their record, or this team might not be as bad as they are despite their record. So that's something always to keep in mind, you know, when you, when you see, situations like that where the unranked team is is laying points against a ranked team well and we'll see if if that system continues and you and i are actually on opposite sides of this miami and north carolina game on monday night i got miami plus five and a half you have north carolina minus four and a half so if I'm it lands five, five baby Woo. lands five that'd be perfect but here's the thing so again people that are new to the college basketball betting market for this season are going to see that trend and just roll with it right and maybe it does continue but you have a situation here tonight where that lines out to five and a half as i mentioned torvik has north carolina minus four Haslametrics has north carolina minus about two and a half as a trend like that gets more run you're going to start paying a premium mm -hmm. on those games so kudos to you for jumping in on that line early if you want to play it because you got four and a half which is way different than five and a half in college basketball. I know it's just a point and people are going to say, well, Adam, what the hell does a point matter? When you think about late game falling situations, when you think about teams kind of call off the dogs around a three possession game, stuff like that, you know, these things really matter. I mean, I've had a few uh, half point and one point losses here of late. Things have kind of normalized. I've sort of leveled off after a really hot period, but those things really matter. And, and getting the best of the number is really important in every sport. But it's really important in college basketball as well, particularly because scoring is done in ones, twos, and threes. You know, so, I mean, you talk about a two-point line move, that's a full possession in a college basketball game. You talk about a two-point line move in college football, 
well, they're scoring by threes and sevens anyway. So, you know, that's something that's really important. But a trend like that, as it picks up steam, you're going to start paying a premium on those types of things, especially when it's a marquee type of game, which is what it's going to be when you have a ranked team against an unranked team. It's going to be a big game. It's going to probably be on ESPN or Fox Sports 1 or whatever the case may be. Those are bigger games that draw bigger handles. So you have to be cognizant of that and either play the overnight line if you like you know, the team that falls in line with the trend or wait and take the other team at the top of the market. You know, like Miami may get the six here. That wouldn't shock me. Now, I put out a daily article, so I took five and a half, but they might get to six. If you like Miami, you wait for that six. So those are things I think are really important, especially for people just kind of getting into college basketball. And frankly, it's why I prefer to look at the low majors, you know, the mm-hmm. one bid leagues, stuff like that, because the sharper moves are more well-defined. And I think you've got more lines that are incorrect in those conferences than you do with these high handle games. Not the sexiest thing, of course, but, you know, money won in a big sky game is the same as money won in an SEC game. So I try to find my edges that way. But to the the point that you're talking about here, that's something that will be accounted for in the market. And you'll start paying a premium on some of those teams, which is why playing the overnights, being proactive like you were, is a really important asset to have as a handicapper. Yeah, and and look, the, the the lines come out, and and this is going to be, and we're trying to figure out this podcast. And you know, for those listening, you know, thirty plus minutes in, uh, we appreciate it, and uh, tell a friend, by the way. But we're going to try to figure out how to make this work the best because staying power, and you know, lines don't come out until late at night. I mean, Friday night because it was Super Bowl weekend. Books seem to be a bit asleep at the wheel when it came to college basketball. So, look, we're going to do our best to get as much information out to you guys as possible uh, multiple times a week. Uh, we might even incorporate some of uh, Matt Newman's show on Friday night, uh, Saturday Bet Prep, uh, when he talks college basketball, put it on the feed so you get some fresh content when it comes to, uh, to the Saturday games because those lines don't come out until late so yeah i don't want to dive deep into miami north carolina in case someone is listening to this at 7 30 eastern on monday and it's like oh that game already happened and adam's a genius and tim looks like an absolute dope for laying five with north carolina um but i I guess just looking ahead briefly adam is there any games and i know i'm kind of putting you on the spot and there's so many but is there any situations that kind of jump at you uh, whether it be Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, that you might be looking to uh, to fire? Well, I, I think I'm probably for Tuesday. And again, you know, a lot of this is price dependent. You've got to be price sensitive with, with college basketball, with anything, but especially with college basketball. What I'm thinking here that's probably going to end up on my card. So I think UMass will probably be about a five, five and a half point favorite against Loyola Chicago on Tuesday night, maybe as high as six. So Loyola Chicago is actually a pretty efficient offensive team. They're top 30 in the country in effective field goal percentage on offense. The problem is they're 355th in turnover percentage on offense. So they turn the ball over too much. But when they don't turn the ball over, they're, they take smart shots. You know, I mean, that's kind of what we saw from them with Porter Moser. And now what we're still seeing with them, with Drew Valentine, the problem is they just turn it over too much. So they're two and 10 in conference play. They also jumped to the A-10 this year at the absolute worst possible time. They lost a lot of talent. They wound up with a coaching change, all that kind of thing. But 
UMass doesn't really impress me a whole lot. They're a very pedestrian team, both offensively and defensively. They'll be laying a number here, and they are not a good team in terms of shooting inside the arc. So I think that's a game I'll be on. If I'm getting five, five and a half or so with Loyola Chicago, I'll take them against UMass here on Tuesday night. Yeah, I'm looking at the board. Um, you know, Oklahoma has been a team that I haven't really fully figured out. I mean, so many close games. Uh, I was on Oklahoma this weekend, and it was a good bet until it wasn't, and then they fell fell apart here. And now they're below 500. So, you know, there's been rumors that Porter Mosier's looking at Notre Dame to potentially get out of there. Um, actually, I, I take that back. Uh, it was an awful bet from the jump. I was, it, I was, uh, I was thinking about Auburn, which I had against Alabama, which was good until it wasn't. They just got their ass kicked by Kansas. So, I, I don't know if there's a buy low spot on Oklahoma. They've had a couple stinkers, but then they've also had a home game against Alabama three weeks ago, where they smashed the number one team in the country. Now in uh, in Alabama, so you know what is Oklahoma? Is this the buy low spot? On the Sooners, they're going to be uh, a surprising to some short dog here, and this is also a situation too, Adam. Where you know you're starting, and now it doesn't apply here because they Kansas State hasn't played Oklahoma yet, so maybe that's why I stay off. But you know, this is the second time around for Jerome Tang as a head coach against a lot of these teams, and you're starting to see him get tripped up a little bit. I mean, they were such a great story. They were 17 and two. Uh, they beat Kansas. They beat Kansas in overtime in that great game. And since then, they've they've really struggled here, right? They've you know in conference play, they've lost four out of their last five. Uh, their lone win coming at home against TCU, going on the road to Oklahoma. So I, I'm curious about this spot. You know, I would have actually preferred if Kansas State had beaten Texas Tech over the weekend. So maybe it would be a better uh, buy low, sell high type of deal. But I think Oklahoma is an interesting one there too. And you know, maybe a little bit off the radar, and I'm not a big uh, fan of laying points, but I'm curious your thoughts on this one on Tuesday night. Utah State just lost to San Jose State. Utah State's a really good team. Uh, Ryan Odom, former UMBC coach, is the head coach there, and they're coming off back-to-back losses. And then Air Force just beat New Mexico uh, in a massive victory for the Falcons on Friday night, a really uh, you know, kind of a rocking chair type of situation for them to win, get that game. So uh, I'm curious if Utah State, which has such a a massive home court advantage, if they come out uh, at home losing back to back games against San Diego State and San Jose State, if they put it on Air Force, maybe, a, you know, I, I do like to do this. I'm curious your thoughts before we you know get out of here. In some spots, uh, I do like to look first half, whether it's a letdown spot, take the other side or a motivational angle. You know, a couple uh, days ago uh, in the Horizon League, UW-Milwaukee was coming off of a a loss to uh, UW-Green Bay, who had lost like 14 in a row. And they came out and absolutely hammered uh, Detroit in the first half, led by 19, and then ultimately won and covered, but they struggled and actually lost that lead. So I might look maybe Utah State first half on Tuesday night, Air Force, who, you know, we know, in at least in college football, right, service academies avoid the normal letdowns more often than not. But I think this is more of a Utah State is going to come out and want to really emphasize 
a, a situational spot here. And, you know, last time they were at home, I backed them against San Diego State. They shot incredibly poorly. This is the best three-point shooting team in the country. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a really top-shelf performance from Utah State on Tuesday night. Well, one thing I got to mention real quick here, this is actually the second year for Drew Valentine at Loyola Chicago, so I wanted to uh, update that. But it is their first year in the A-10, so I just wanted to correct myself on that one. Um, kind of going in order of what you talked about, you know, the Oklahoma one's kind of interesting because they blew out Alabama at home mm-hmm. in that Big 12 SEC challenge. That's their only win since January 14th, and they've been skunked in most of their conference games otherwise. So that's kind of a really interesting one there against Kansas State. I'll be curious to see what that line looks like and, and how the action kind of comes in. For Utah State, so this is this is one of those handicaps that I would have to dive really deep into because Air Force plays at one of the slowest tempos in the country. Utah State's a little bit above average in terms of their tempo. Who dictates the pace in this game? Will it be Utah State or will Air Force, who kind of plays a little bit of a modified zone themselves, will they kind of slow this game down a little bit? The second thing is teams are only shooting 29.7% from three against Air Force. And as you mentioned, Utah State, number one three-point shooting team in the country. Is that an Air Force thing, that they're just really, really good at defending the three? Is it a rest of the conference thing? Because there's no team above 36% from three in this conference other than Utah State. So is Air Force a good defensive team from three, or is it just a byproduct of the opponents that they've been playing? And Utah State is a team that can absolutely make it rain from three. So I think it's a really interesting handicap in a lot of different ways. But one thing I will say, Utah State kind of fits something that I like to look at here. They are 9% better in field goal percentage defense on close twos than Air Force. So if Utah State gets inside, they're going to convert. If Air Force gets inside, they may struggle a little bit. So then if you factor in Utah State being able to shoot the three, that's how you start looking at a team to possibly win by margin because they should be a pretty big favorite in this game. So that's kind of the the handicapping process that I go with here. And I could see something where Utah State does come out big in the first half. And then, like you said, it's kind of cruise control second half. They kind of let this game slow down a little bit because Air Force plays at a slow tempo. These are all things that you have to consider. College basketball, we have all these resources, but it's still a pretty complex sport to handicap because there are just so many variables and so many differences across 363 teams. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Well, tell us what you think. Uh, This is the first of many college basketball betting podcasts. Obviously, uh, we are about to hit the stretch run uh, of college basketball conference tournaments And then, of course, March Madness, where we'll be with you a lot, I'm sure, to break down those games as much as possible. You can tweet us at Skating Tripods, where you can find Adam, at one Tim Murray's, where you can find me. Also, Reed, of course, as Adam alluded to to start the show. Monday through Saturday, breakdowns of college basketball games on vsin.com. If you haven't done so already, vsin.com slash picks. Uh, You'll see all of our picks kind of flood in uh, through the day and uh, including overnights uh, if you want to get in uh, early on some of these games. So, uh, you know, tell us what you want to hear. You know, we will uh, we will do this. Adam and I will uh, hit the lab and try to figure out what works best as well uh, regarding, you know, content and uh, and how to go about uh, breaking down all of these games. Uh, So a little bit of a spring training here, uh, Adam, to uh, to get to get things going on the college basketball betting podcast. 
Yeah, speaking of spring training, that that starts this week. So I'm working <laughs> on my working on my team previews for our upcoming MLB betting guides. So, uh, you know, the Super Bowl ends and we just turn over to some other stuff. But yeah, it's uh, never a dull moment in the sports betting business. But happy to be doing this with you. And I think we shared a lot of good information on the first show. And like you said, we'll kind of uh, do what we can to sort of narrow our focus a little bit more and you know, help people, whether it's in terms of, of strategy or just looking at, you know, specific individual games. Yeah, no doubt about it. So we will, uh, we will be with you multiple times a week. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe, uh, tell your friends. Uh, we got ourselves a college basketball betting podcast. Uh, myself, Adam Burke, we will have Matt Newman's a part of this as well. Uh, Wes Reynolds, I'm sure will jump on at some point, uh, give us his thoughts. So we will be with you in this feed at least two, maybe three times a week with some content getting you ready uh, to bet college basketball because it is that time of year. For Adam Burke, at Skating Tripods on Twitter, I am Tim Murray. We will talk to you later this week right here on the College Basketball Betting Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.